You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Five wins in the last six games, and De'Aaron Fox is on a one-way path to another Player of the Week award. 44 points, a new career high for the young Kings star last night. He and Tyrese Halliburton combined for 65 points in the Kings' route of the Golden State Warriors, and Sacramento is now just two games back of that 10th spot in the Western Conference, the final play-in tournament spot. We know that is the goal for the Kings based off of how they handled this trade deadline. If you missed Monty McNeil, Nair's press conference today. You can listen to it in its entirety. I posted it earlier wherever you find the Locked On Kings podcast. So go back and listen to that because on today's podcast, I'm going to be joined by Jason Jones of The Athletic. We're going to run through everything that happened during the trade deadline. Jason will talk about his comments and and his thoughts based off of what Monty McNair had to say, plus uh, on what De'Aaron Fox is doing. We got a jam-packed episode of the Locked On Kings podcast. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage our regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for the last six years. This is season number seven for me, covering the Kings, both as an on-air host and a multimedia journalist. I know I've said it and it sounds crazy, but it's getting a little less crazy. I truly believe We are going to be talking about the De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton backcourt here in Sacramento the same way we talk about C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard. The same way we talk about Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. Not so much the championships and not so much the MVP awards, although that would be great to see Fox or Halliburton get to that point like Klay and Steph got in Golden State, but I'm just talking about in terms of one of the best, if not the best backcourt, the one-two punch, the tandem in the NBA. I think those two have the capability of becoming that, and we're seeing flashes of it already. The success that the Kings have enjoyed since Tyrese Halliburton has worked his way into the starting lineup. And no disrespect to Tyrese because he's playing well. He got off to a great start last night against the Golden State Warriors. But this is De'Aaron Fox's world right now, and we're just living in it. De'Aaron Fox is getting everything that he wants. He carved the Golden State Warriors up like a turkey on Thanksgiving, weaving through them like traffic cones. There was nobody nobody in a Golden State Warriors uniform. There was no one in the Golden One Center. I'd argue there was no one in the Sacramento City limits that could have stood in front of De'Aaron Fox. He is playing so well, using his outside shot to set up his uh, ability to attack the rim, uh, to get to the basket, Uh, and it barely looks like he's breaking a sweat. He has this attack mindset, this aggressiveness. He's looking for his points, but still looking for his teammates at the same time. And he gets that 44 points. It's it's so much fun to watch De'Aaron. There is no doubt in my mind that De'Aaron Fox was the right choice for the max contract player here in Sacramento. There's no doubt in my mind that the all-star game, the being named to an all-star team that has eluded him to this point, it's only a matter of time before he gets those honors. Fox is a star. Everybody needs to start talking about De'Aaron Fox as a star and people need to start paying attention even though the Kings have struggled they've been up and down certainly very inconsistent so far this season De'Aaron Fox is incredible and he's been playing so well this year had that great stretch earlier on in the season went down with an injury now is back I would say actually even better 
than what he was earlier on in the year. It is so much fun to watch De'Aaron Fox right now. It is so much fun to watch Tyrese Halliburton with Fox. And I'm loving what Rashawn Holmes continues to do. You're going to hear Jason Jones talking about Rashawn, the importance of re-signing Rashawn. I'm not going to waste any more time. I have to get you to that interview with Jason Jones. But before that, I want to let you know that today's episode of the Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag, the official sports gambling partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action with the NCAA March Madness Tournament, NBA Basketball, the NHL, MLB Baseball just about to start. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, the scores, and the odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. Get off the sidelines. Get in on the action. Make some money on BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. It's been a long week, to say the least, for all those who cover NBA basketball. It's been a long week, I know, for Sacramento Kings fans dealing with all the rumors and the buildup to the trade deadline and the deadline itself, not to mention back-to-back games on deadline night and the night before deadline. And I'm happy to be joined by Jason Jones of The Athletic, longtime beat writer for the Sacramento Kings. I was able to snatch him away for 15 minutes from his very busy schedule. Jason, thank you so much for taking the time here during the Locked On Kings podcast. I know you're a veteran of this game. I know you're a veteran of handling these trade deadlines. Was this one normal, pretty standard for you, or did it feel as chaotic, the buildup and the deadline itself, as it's as at least as it seems? This was uh, one of the more, I don't know if chaotic is the word. It was, it was unpredictable because you didn't really know what was going to happen and a lot of people around the league didn't know what was going to happen it was funny there's you know you see reports the day before oh this will be a real quiet deadline not much will happen and then boom like 30 like what is it i forgot how many deals over 40 players get moved um nearly every team was involved in some type of some type of deal so you know end up being as, as, as hectic as ever and Usually you could kind of go in having an idea of what the Kings are trying to do or what they might do. Like you knew last year they wanted to get rid of Dwayne Deadman if they could. You know, the year before you knew they wanted a small forward. This year it was kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's a new GM. You're still kind of learning him. And in the pandemic, we haven't really been around Monty a lot or really at all to get an idea or a deeper idea of his thinking, his thought processes and all this. So It definitely made for a unique situation with the deadline. You talked about not really knowing Monty at all. And the one real thing that we've all kind of latched onto is what Monty told us when he was first hired in his introductory press conference, which was he wants to maintain and bring flexibility to the Sacramento Kings roster. And a lot of us just assumed that that really meant with the cap sheet, with uh, with the salaries. So that led us to assume that maybe players like Bogdan, or rather, sorry, Buddy Heald, uh, Harrison Barnes, or maybe even Marvin Bagley, who's due $11 million next year, maybe those guys 
guys would really be on the move because McNair would want to free up some cap space. That didn't end up being the case as the Kings as a whole kept that core together. It seems pretty clear, Jason, that the the, the goal for this season, it's pushing for that play-in tournament and hopefully the playoffs on the other side of that. Do you agree with that approach? And, and I asked Monty McNair this in the press conference because we heard that they were sellers at one point, buyers at another point based off the ups and downs of the season. At what point do you think the Kings made this decision? You know what? We're going to be buyers. We're going to go for it. I mean, I think part of it is, you know, he didn't say so, but part of it is the standings, you know, the, the, you know, the, the Kings aren't the most talented team of the bunch. You know, this is not like a team where you would say, Oh, they go nine, 10, 11 deep, but they're not nearly as bad as say a Detroit or as bad as, you know, as weird as it is, as bad as Minnesota had. Minnesota has good players, but, you know, they've been terrible all year. They haven't endured a 20-game losing streak like the Rockets, who are clearly, you know, in full-out rebuild mode all of a sudden. They're not – they couldn't get rid of a bunch of players with, bad, you know, maybe contracts they didn't want anymore like an Orlando did. I mean, so I think as long as the Kings have lost – it does them no harm to do all they can. And even with that, it wasn't like they made a drastic move where you say they took on a crazy you know, amount of, of salaries, a future salary. They didn't, you know, trade, say, like, they didn't trade like De'Aaron Fox to try to make something happen. And they just tried to get guys to support the guys they already have and just kind of say, hey, let's see what we can do. Because really one of the biggest issues the team's had all season is the, the lack of depth. I mean... There's nights where essentially Luke Walton is using a six, six and a half, maybe seven man rotation and trying to steal minutes with guys who in a regular season would probably be playing for the Stockton Kings. So, I mean, it's just, I think at the very least, they got, you know, the teams enough depth to where, not to where it's overwhelmingly, you know, better, but it's enough to where maybe you don't have to play Harrison Barnes 40 plus minutes a night. Yeah, depth is one of the major things that McNair talked about in his press conference, saying he, he was looking at the core of this team, really that closing lineup that has now become the starting lineup with Marvin Bagley out with injury. That lineup has been effective pretty much for the entire season. McNair said as much and said what we wanted to do this deadline was to bring in depth that could help them immediately, but also players that we could see actually potentially being a fit long-term as well. Now, I don't know how much I believe that side of it when I look at players like uh, Mo Harkless that were acquired, but I, th- I think it's safe to say DeLon Wright is the the biggest name that the Sacramento Kings acquired. He's going to basically take over the spot that Corey Joseph provided as that backup guard and primary ball handler uh, off the bench. What do you think of that acquisition in particular? And then the the rest of the depth that the, the Kings accumulated, do you think they brought in pieces that really could make an impact in your mind in a uh, a, a postseason or play-in tournament push? Yeah, I think the impact is relative, but I think a guy like DeLon definitely helps. You know, the Kings need guys who have been defensive type guys who can play defense. I think DeLon can play some defense. You know, he's been around Dwayne Casey a lot, which means he's had defense drilled in his head, you know, his whole career. And I and the fact that he has some size off the bench. I mean, you look at the starting line, you know, the three guards they start. I know Buddy might be listed at 6'4 and De'Aaron at 6'3, but those they still aren't that's still not, you know, that's still not a core of you know big guard. It's not like Buddy 6'7, 6'6. And I think you know, Delon gives them some size, it gives them versatility. Now you can potentially play 
three guys at the same time who could all be adept ball handlers in De'Aaron, Tyrese, and Delon. So I think, you know, in the fact he's under contract for next year as well. So you can look at him as a guy that you can add to the mix of guys you say could be part of this group beyond this season. And, you know, maybe two or three years down the road. So I think that's a, he's a big part of what I think they're, they, they can do and the kind of player they should be looking to get. McNeil, you know, the team that's, you know, on the downside trying to, you know, get a good draft pick. So get guys like him who, who can still add value to your team, but also don't, don't necessarily impede the progress of anyone else. McNair also talked a lot about the and was asked about the current starting lineup for the Kings. They're running a three-guard lineup with Buddy Heald playing that three spot, and he was asked about the longevity of it. He talked about the, su- the success statistically that that lineup has had, especially on the offensive end. We saw what the, the Kings did the Warriors last night, which I definitely want to ask you about uh, at some point here, Jason. But in your mind, the longevity for success of that lineup, could you see that being something that the Kings consider even next season? No way. I, I, you can't be that, that small. Right. For an entire, I, I just, there's no way you can go into, you know, say you will go in the next season saying we're going to start Buddy Hill in the front court. Just, it's, just, it's not sustainable. I mean, it's working for them now, but you even saw against the Warriors, you know, you got Buddy Hill on Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, that's, that's not a, a recipe for success over the course of an entire season. I mean, you can, I think you can do it for, you know, for spots. I mean, Buddy's a strong guy, but you know, you're looking, you know, the, the, the better teams, you know, you say you play a Denver, you want to ask Buddy Hill to check Michael Porter Jr. All night, you know, or if you, or if you say Harrison's got to do it, you do, you put Buddy on Eric Gordon. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't ask him to do that for an entire season. So I think, uh, ideally, a guy like Buddy, to me, is a six-man, a guy who plays 20, 25, maybe 30 minutes when he's hot. So I just think, I think right now, they're, they, they are getting some, some, you know, some production out of this because they're, they're in a good groove right now. But it's not something that you, you can look at beyond this season or next season and say, yeah, we want to really go into a season where we're 6'3", 6'5", 6'4" on the perimeter and six, seven, six, eight at hair, you know, that's, that's a small team. And one of the issues they've had all season is they run in the bigger physical team mm-hmm. and you got to get some size out there. I just spoke with uh, Sean Cunningham and Lena Washington from ABC 10. Uh, and one of the things we talked about is trying to come up with grades for this trade deadline. And, and to me, we can't really grade this trade deadline until we see what Monty McNair does with a full offseason, because a lot of the moves that he made at this deadline have an effect in my mind on what the Kings do this offseason. The big one being the money that they took in. They didn't get rid of money. They took in money uh, with that DeLon Wright deal. And how much of a factor, an impact will that have on the potential contract negotiations for Rashawn Holmes or any other free agent that the Kings want to try and pursue? How uh, are the Kings going to be willing and able to move on from a contract like Buddy Heald's or move on from uh, Marvin Bagley's $11 million? I think that's going to have a major impact. I don't want to look too far ahead, Jay. But am I right in assuming that a, a, a lot of this trade deadline will be graded, a lot of Monty McNair will be graded on what happens this offseason, especially when it comes to, to me, re-signing Rashawn Holmes? I think so, because, you know, we, you know you'll have DeLon under contract, but if Terrence Davis looks good and you keep him, that's another guy. You know, <laughs> you know now you're looking at your offseason being that, not you didn't say to go out and sign guys, but you kept 
you know, a guy, maybe a guy like Terrence Davis might have been a guy you pursued in the summer. Or, you know, maybe you would have gone after a, a Chris Silva on a, as I call it, you can call it the money word, a value deal, you know, so maybe you keep some of these guys and, and they fit into your, you know, your, your plans for next year. So I think that's a good way to look at it. And I just look at the Rashawn situation. I, I don't think that these deals are ultimately going to be if Rashawn Lee weren't resigned would be the reason Rashawn is gone. Mm-hmm. I think it would be more so that. Rashawn got an offer that was so ridiculous. The Kings said we just can't afford to pay him that. And I don't, I, I, I don't think Rashawn. You know, I don't think I'm, I'm breaking any news by saying I don't think Rashawn's going to get a max offer in the offseason. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I pretty, I, I think it would have to be a, a massive uh, contract from another team or just a complete breakdown of communications where, in the offseason, to where Rashawn's not back. I, I just don't see how that doesn't happen. I think Rashawn's a, is a great fit for them and vice versa, you know, and I, I just don't see a scenario where, like I said, Barnes comes kind of unforeseen or like they offer Rashawn like another $5 million a year deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't, I don't see how Rashawn's in that back. I look at a guy like, uh, you know, Montrez Harrell took the, you know, got the uh, mid-level, you know, the uh, two years, 19 mil. And I think if Rashawn was like, three years 30 for example i don't I, I i don't see how he would walk away from that if that was a, a similar type offer for next season so I, I don't look at it as a thing of where okay they're not going to keep Rashawn Holmes because they had to you know keep terrence uh davis yeah so yeah so i i think it's you know and then there's other moves that they can still be made in the offseason you know you know there are other guys that you know you could you know you know, I mean, you could look at situations like maybe you trade some other guaranteed money if it's a big deal. Maybe you, you trade a Robert Wood or a Jemias Ramsey. You know, I mean, there's there's ways to do it. I mean, I think the one thing the NBA has shown all of us is that if you want to make something work, you'll make it work. Right. And your fingers on the pulse of the situation. Would you say that re-signing Rashawn Holmes at least this point in time is a priority for the Sacramento Kings this offseason? And would you be surprised or shocked if the Kings and Rashawn weren't able to come up with a deal to bring him back? In my mind, regardless of how it gets done, and I know some people are really concerned about that. Some fans were concerned about that based off of the moves that the Kings made at the trade deadline, not moving on from one of their major contracts. But in my mind, I would be both disappointed and shocked to see Rashawn Holmes not wearing a Kings uniform next season. I'd be surprised too. And I don't think there's a, it's, it's just funny to me because I just know in the years of, you know, when covering Vlade as a GM, Vlade, you know, for all the people who, all the, you know, the, 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 the stuff Vlade took, Vlade always figured out a way to get the guys he wanted. These guys, you know, they have guys smart enough to figure this out. And I think, I think it'll get figured out. And Dude, like I said, it'll, uh, maybe if if Team X comes in and offers Rashawn Holmes four years, seventy-two million dollars. If you're the Kings, you say it's been great two years. We can't do that, right? <laughs> you know, and then you wish him the best. But outside of that, still like that happening, I just don't see. I, I, I'd be shocked if, if if Rashawn wasn't around next season. But you know, I've I've come to learn in this business, anything really can happen. But I just, I just think it's a good fit, and you know, bar, you know. But you never say never, because you know, I mean, I don't know, some crazy. What if, for whatever reason, the Bulls are like, hey, we really want to give you guys, you know, give you guys in Sacramento, Nikola Vucevic. 
And they're like, okay, bye, Rashawn. <laughs> yeah, see ya. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, there's just so many things that can happen. But as of now, I'd really be shocked if they can't figure something out that works for both sides. We are celebrating today, not just because of the Kings win over the Golden State Warriors, not just because it is Friday and we're looking forward to the weekend. We are celebrating that Mint Brownie, my Mint Brownie Built Bar, has advanced to the flavorful four in the Built Bar Madness bracket. That's right, Mint Brownie, victorious over Coconut Puff. Maybe next year, Coconut Puff, but you never stood a chance. Mint Brownie moves on I thank all of you Locked On listeners who rallied behind the Mint Brownie Built Bar. If you haven't had one of these Mint Brownie Built Bars, take a bite of one, taste it, and tell me it's not the best protein bar you've ever had. But we still have to find out who Mint Brownie is going to face, potentially, in the championship as we go over to the other side of the bracket where Cookie Dough Chunk is taking on White Chocolate Birthday Cake. Winner of this matchup moves on to take on Cookies and Cream in the Flavorful Four. You can vote right now on BuiltBar.com, or you can tweet at Bar underscore Built on Twitter to submit your vote. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar. Well, speaking of Nikola Vucevic, who's the biggest loser or bigger loser at the trade deadline, Jason? Is it the Houston Rockets as a whole for that pitiful return that they got from Oladipo, which in the end they got basically nothing, like Avery Bradley and Kelly Olynyk is what they got for James Harden plus draft picks? Or is the biggest loser Terrence Ross for being left in Orlando after the complete fire sale that they had? Uh, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with Terrence Ross. <laughs> he, he, I mean, it, his you know, tweet was amazing, <laughs> by the way. I, the I'm yeah. the captain now tweet. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you're the Rockets, you can still at least sell hope. Maybe these draft picks, because, even though, you know, you look at the totality of it, God, they got nothing for, you know, a top five, top seven player in the league. Right. You look at it, you know, the totality and, the you know, everyone says draft capital, draft capital, draft capital. How long have we been hearing about the Boston Celtics and what they're going to do with all these picks they have? <laughs> they haven't Ainge. done anything. <laughs> I mean, they drafted Jalen Brown. They were able to get Tatum and, you know, draft them. But all these picks, they're going to have all the – they're going to get Harrison Barnes with these picks. They're going to get Aaron Gordon with these picks. They got Evan Fournier. That's no shot at Evan Fournier, but, you know, you know, really, as, as I think I saw somebody on Twitter said, picks are great until that pick is Jackson Hayes or <laughs> – you know, it sounds good that we have four picks, you know, until that pick is a guy, you know, is a is the end of the bench or, you know, you know, type guy. So but even then, they can still sell the hope of we have all these picks. We can get we can package them and get a player Poor Terrence Ross is like, God, I was in the playoffs with these guys last year. Now, look, it's me and a bunch of guys that are just <laughs> I don't know. I mean, poor Terrence. You know, he's like, hey, can you guys buy me out? Yeah, you know, right. let me go play on a good team. Pretty crazy. Yeah, he's probably the biggest loser of them all. It's like, it's like you know, it's like the, meme, the SpongeBob meme. He sees all his friends playing on on better teams, and he's still in there like, okay, I guess I'm going home early this year. I was, I was thinking the John Travolta meme of him walking into the locker room and just looking around and everything is empty around him, poor guy. But <laughs> – that, that is the state of the uh, the Orlando Magic after the trade deadline. Or you could go the route of the OKC Thunder, who have, what, 17 first-round picks over the next, like, five or six years, Jason? That's insane. 
Yeah, they've got. They, they, it's going to be a year. It's going to be like with the, with the third pick, the fourth pick, the seventh pick. You know, just just let them have it. Just let them do the draft by themselves. You no, know, but I mean, you can't even use all those. Picks. <laughs> I, know. I mean, it's like it's almost roster. impossible. It's like, what are you going to do with all those? <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if Danny Ainge acquires like four of them for no reason in the, in the, in the future or whatnot. Well, but before I let you go, Jason. Uh, it's impossible to expect De'Aaron Fox to continue to play at the level that he's been playing for the rest of this season or really for the rest of his career. But, I mean, a career-high 44 points last night. I would say he's making 30-plus point performances look easy at this point. Over the last couple of weeks, he's been on an absolute tear. Truthfully, going back to the uh, Orlando bubble and then the the really good stretch that he had earlier this season, then he got hurt. Now he's back to that really, really, really good stretch where I think he'll win another player of the week. Uh, what is different with De'Aaron? Like, what happened? Is it just, like, Luke Walton's talked a lot about the game slowing down for him. Is it really that, or did something, like, flip, some kind of switch flip for De'Aaron? What is so different that makes him so dominant right now? I think for him, it's a mindset. He decided to be aggressive. Mm. You know, I can, I kind of wrote about it a little bit, too. Part of the reason why I miss seeing the families at the game, because I would, you know, every now and then chat with his dad. And his dad would be like, I don't want to hear about a coach. I don't want to hear about the coach, the call. He said, he needs to be aggressive. And if he, when De'Aaron's going downhill, you know, who's going to stay in front of him realistically on a regular basis? Not a lot of people can do that. You know, not every team has a Matisse Thibel who can, who's like, who's also, who's, who's long, but also very athletic. Yeah. He's going to, you know, De'Aaron's a problem, you know, when he want, you know, when he's in that mindset every night. And I think one, he's healthy. You know, he he'll never come out and say, "Yeah, my uh, you know my calf or whatever was still bo- you know whatever was still bothering me." But it was clearly he wasn't as fat playing as fast as he had been before the injury. So I think he's healthy, and it's a mindset. I mean, when when De'Aaron is is you know focused on being aggressive, you know he can put up these type of numbers, and I think that's the way he has to be. He has to play. Not at, you know what, not at a 40, 35 point a night clip, but he's got to be in this mindset, this attack mind every night to give the Kings a chance, just a chance to be competitive. They're not going to be competitive if, you know, I remember earlier in the season, he's getting like 16, 18 points, seven assists. It's not, I mean, that's okay. You know, if you're Mike Conley and you've got Donovan Mitchell and these other guys around you, right? But for what the Kings need, he's got to be above 20 and because he, He's the one guy they have. Maybe I think you throw Tyrese in there probably a little bit more now. He's, he can get his own shot. And the Kings don't have a bunch of shot creators. Maybe DeLon Wright, he'll, he'll help with that because, he's you know, he's a guy who can do some things. So, But I think De'Aaron's mindset is just he knows what he has to do for this team to win, and he's doing it. And it's fun to watch. You know, when he had the longer hair, I always say, when his hair started going backwards like he was flying <laughs> – you, you, you knew, you, you know, you knew he, you know, he had, you know, hit the accelerator. And sometimes I think um, without Ty, when Tyrese was out, especially as well, there was, a, there was more burden on him to be that guy and push, push, push. Now with, with, with Tyrese, you add the line, right? You got it. Other guys that can play with the ball, give him a break on that end. And then I think the, the key is with all that, it frees him up to, to be able to focus and lock in on defense later in the game, too. We'll wrap up with this, Jason. I'll, I'll admit this to you. Uh, the biggest disappointment that I had with this trade deadline was that the Kings and Monty McNair didn't find a way to bring Alex Caruso to Sacramento. Uh, 
uh, yeah, I mean, that would have been, you know, a lifelong dream. You know, if you couldn't get him or JaVale McGee, you know, get, you know, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you get Alice Caruso, you've got to go ahead and move the Aaron Fox. I was going to say. There's no, if, there's no need to. How do, how do you ask the Aaron Fox to play with the GOAT? You can't. You know, <laughs> if the Kings you, offer if the Kings that cap space to max out Caruso in a year. If the Kings if the Kings offer De'Aaron Fox to the Lakers for Alex Caruso, Lakers say no, right? Of course. I mean, you can't make that deal if you're the Lakers. Why would you do that? <laughs> I mean, who's who's gonna go who's gonna, who's gonna prop up LeBron better than Caruso? Come on. Uh, you're absolutely right about that. That is Jason Jones from The Athletic. Does phenomenal work covering your Sacramento Kings. He and Sam Amick and, and Shams, you, you guys combined for some pretty awesome articles during this entire trade deadline period. All the rumors surrounding the Sacramento Kings. Jason's fingers are always close on the pulse of this Kings team throughout the remainder of this season going into the offseason. Make sure Jason Jones is one of your number one sources uh, for Kings news and information. Jason, I look forward to having you back on Locked on Kings in the near future. Thank you so much, my friend. Now get back to writing. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna watch some WWE and hey. then I'll write. Oh, let me sneak this in. Edge or uh, Edge or Roman Reigns? Who you got? Uh, oh, I'm a. Uh, I love Roman as a heel, so I think he needs to lose. Okay. I, I love Roman. I mean, I hadn't I hadn't bought any Roman Reigns gear until now. Now that he's a heel, I love Roman Reigns as a heel. <laughs> and uh, Tyrese Halliburton, I think he he's an Edge guy, right? Yeah, yeah, we had that discussion after the Royal Rumble yep. we, you know, we're on our little Zoom. I'm like, where's your Ed shirt? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll have to get – that's one of the things I miss the most about – hopefully one day we'll get back to media having locker room access because the the off-the-record conversations you get in there, I'm very much looking forward to just hearing Tyrese Halliburton talk about WWE for 10 minutes with you. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Big thank you again to Jason Jones for taking the time. He is a very, very busy man, especially right now, but he's always willing to spend some time here on the Locked On Kings podcast. I hope you appreciate that as much as I do. We talked about a ton of stuff. If you want to respond to it, let me know at Matt George Radio on Twitter. Your thoughts on anything that we talked about, you can also email me, mgeorge at sacklocalmedia.com. I had a sit-down uh, roundtable with Sean Cunningham and Lena Washington from ABC 10. That is on ABC10.com. You can go and watch that. Check it out. We talked about Monty McNair's press conference. We talked about the trade deadline as a whole, the way De'Aaron Fox is playing. You're going to want to listen to that, give you a little extra content over the weekend. Again, ABC10.com. Just go to the sports section. You will find the video there. I look forward to doing more of those roundtable conversations with those two in the future. I also look forward to having you back for next week's episodes of the Locked on Kings podcast. Until then, Please enjoy your weekend, stay safe, and I'll talk to you very soon. My name is Matt George. You have been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.